When it rains, hit the lathes. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is put an end to my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I don't know if you play Coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, wherever you may be right now, welcome to another edition of The Standard is the Standard, the Behind the Steel Curtain.com flagship podcast. We've got so many more now, but this is the first. This is the original. And in lieu of Lance Williams tonight, I have my friend, my cohort, my colleague, Chris Carter. How's it going tonight, Chris? Oh, man, it's going great, going great here in the great city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How are things with you, Jeff? Hey, I'm enjoying the summer. It's one of the few days. It's it's kind of funny that this is one of the few days on the calendar that there are no sports being played. None. The NBA's done. NHL's done. NFL hasn't started yet. Major League Baseball's on their all-star break. So unless you're watching the SB Awards right now, where else would you rather be than right here talking about or listening to some Pittsburgh Steelers talk? But you can talk about it with us. You can call in at any time, 347 347- Eight five zero eight five eight one. Again, that number is three four seven eight five zero eight five eight one. Before we get started with the show, I'd like to mention our sponsors. Our show is sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm. The call in Western Pennsylvania and in Northern West Virginia, home to one of the nation's top one hundred ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker, and also sponsored by Centerfield Smoke. I'm telling you what, Centerfield Smoke is the best and the most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. Whether you just like the Steelers, whether you like all three Pittsburgh teams, go to centerfieldsmoke.com, and they have some really, really good content, some great shirts, some great designs there. They're even branching into things like cell phone uh, covers, uh, koozies for your adult beverages and stuff like that. It's a great thing that we're partnering up with them for this upcoming season. We're going to be giving away a few shirts, actually, as the uh, team reports to training camp. So let's get right into the thick of things, Chris. The team is scheduled to report to the training camp on July 28th. It's only a few days away. I can't believe it's almost here, to be honest with you. But on the slow season, as we call it, where I'm telling you there's nothing going on, the NFL says, you know what, we're going to give you all something to talk about. What is that? Tom Brady's suspension of four games. Yeah, exactly. Deflategate. Uh, His his appeal has been 
denied, meaning they're not going to appeal it. He, this four-game suspension is upheld. Now, you're the lawyer of the family here behind the steel curtain.com. They are saying that Brady is thinking about trying to take this to the Supreme Court. I read an article today saying about how I think that's just laughable that the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, would somehow hear this plea of a quarterback of a game, and we're talking about PSI, deflated footballs. It's just silly to me. Um, what was your initial reaction? We feel like we've talked about this all before, and then we're going to get into, I think, how it impacts the Steelers. Go ahead, though. Uh, well, le- legal reaction, it made it made the most sense. The NFL did not go out any any and it did never go outside of any of its collective bargaining agreement with uh, Roger Goodell's decision to suspend him uh, with the CBA back in 2011. And I've written about this a lot, and Ed Bouchette's written written about this a lot. But you know, the basically when the league signed that new collective bargaining agreement back in 2011, it's not new anymore. But um, the one that's current. It gave Roger Goodell basically dictator powers as, as a commissioner, which means he can decide to do whatever he wants, uh, whatever he wants when it comes to punishing players. And there's nothing that they can really do about it unless he really, really violates something. And he never violated anything in this investigation. Um, and, you know, and whether or not you think that Tom Brady's guilty or not, you know, him and Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick, that whole organization was were some of the were, were one of the front runners to purport to push for that collective bargaining agreement, and the Steelers were the only team to say, no, this is bad, this could be really bad, this could be really, really bad for a lot of teams in the future, and now all of a sudden it's come back to bite them, and all these, you know, like Ben Affleck and all these random Boston fans out here are screaming foul, and oh my gosh, and whoa, is us, and we never cheated, and it's kind of like, well, you got caught. On, on the legal side of it, you know, um, you know, they the, the federal courts are basically saying, you know, this is ridiculous. Now, you know, they went to the first district court, they went to the Court of Appeals, the next thing they can do is go to the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, I'll have you know, Jeff, there are a lot of cases every year, hundreds, if you will, that get sent up to the Supreme Court for someone to ask for them to review it. That does not necessarily mean that they will and they'll reach a decision because they, they can't hear everything all the time. What they can do is say, this is ridiculous, I'm sending this back down, or you're going to have to live with that decision. Um and uh, that's that's kind of what's going to end up happening, in my opinion, because I, I just don't see Peter Ginsburg and uh, Claire Thomas and all these other – I don't, I don't see Sonia Soda and you are sitting at this and actually writing out a decision that explains why Tom Brady has to sit out four games because Goodell said so, and it's within the CBA. I mean, it's really ridiculous. It's it's stupid. You know, if Tom Brady wants to go ahead, sure, he's got the money, and sure, him, him and the Patriots and the FLPA could afford to. But it's it's really just just you know them them just doing it because they they because they want to and they they know that's going to happen about it they're just trying to just keep kicking up dirt and I'm pretty sure they even know that, that everything is going to fail I mean really that first appeal they got him when he was in court and they got him back for last season it shouldn't have gone and that's what the court said this year is that 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 verdict or that that uh, that decision by that just uh, that judge should never have happened the way that it did. Um, so, I mean, as a person who studies the law, you know, I think this is valid. I think it's going to stand. I think it's going to get smacked down by the Supreme Court. They're not even going to look at it. Um, and I also think that Tom Brady and any any Patriots fan who thinks that they have anything legitimate to complain about is is fooling themselves, lying to themselves, or lying to us. Yeah, and so the legality of it is still far from over. There's a chance that this is going to get prolonged even longer. I wish it wasn't. Nonetheless, as of right now, 
the way it stands, if the season were to start tomorrow and the game, first week one game is tomorrow, Tom Brady would not be in the lineup. He would be suspended. Now, for those that don't know, I wrote an article today on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com about this. also gave a little bit of commentary about it as well. Um, I think this is, to me, and some people we had a lot of comments on this article, and I knew that was going to happen, um, really disagreed with what my sentiment of this can impact Pittsburgh, but not just the Steelers, the entire AFC. So the four games that Tom Brady could, and I'm going to continue to say could because I'm not sure it's going to be all said and done just yet. Um, week one, I believe he plays uh, at they, they would play at Arizona. Then they come back for a game against Miami, a uh, game against Houston, and a game against Buffalo. Those three are all at home. And so the, the, the reasoning I had behind this was not only is that Arizona trip going to be tough, they're going to cross country playing a very good Cardinals team, but then you come back and you have three home games. Now, you only get eight home games a year, and Brady's going to miss three of them. That's significant. The, for a team that's as good as they are at home, that's very significant. Um, but then you look at who they're playing, two divisional games, the Houston team, which made the playoffs last year, who just picked up a better quarterback. They don't have Brian Hoyer anymore. Um, you're looking at all these factors and you're saying, well, you, you still assume that the Patriots are going to win. The problem is, is that you're so used to seeing Brady in the lineup, no one knows what the hell this team's going to look like. Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. I saw someone, I think it was SportsCenter, tweeted out, oh, if you look back to the last time Garoppolo was the quarterback, the Patriots will be fine. That's like me saying that if you go back to my middle school days of playing football and then say, well, I'll be fine because I was decent in middle school. That, no, that doesn't translate. Jimmy Garoppolo has yet to play a significant snap in an NFL game in his career. Okay, now they got lucky in 2008 with Matt Castle when he came in and Brady tore up his knee in week one against the Chiefs, and they still were 11-5, and five, and they just missed the playoffs. They're actually the first team to win 11 games and not make the postseason. But what I'm saying is, is that this could be significant for the Patriots based on the fact that if Garoppolo can't handle the pressure, and they're going to face pressure if you look at these teams and in terms of defense, whether it's the Cardinals, J.J. Watt, Madonna Kinsu, and then the Buffalo front, which is, was very good last year. I, I'm not so certain that this team can't trip coming out of the gate. And if you trip coming out of the gate, it's like the baseball saying, Chris, I know you're familiar with. You can't win the World Series in April, but you can lose it. And it's almost like saying, hey, you know what? You can't win the Super Bowl in the first quarter of the season, but you can make it really hard for yourself. And you can ask the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2013 exactly what that feels like. That was the time when they went to London, played the, the Vikings. It was a cluster F at the beginning of the season. I want to say they started 0-4, correct me if I'm wrong. 0-4. 0-4. And it was an uphill battle the entire season. Now, they did manage to be 8-8. Eight eight. They were really close to making the postseason. But still, it just makes it very, very difficult. So, to me, the Patriots could still win the AFC East without uh, Tom Brady in the lineup for those first four games. But what they might not be able to do is to have that real cushy uh, first seed home field advantage that they're always having, making teams like Pittsburgh and Denver and all these other playoff contenders always go to New England. Even Baltimore uh, have to go to New England, which is such a tough place to play. To me, this does impact the Pittsburgh Steelers. As front runners, if they can stay healthy, everyone's talked about it all offseason. If the Steelers are going to do it, they need to have the road to Super Bowl 51 and the AFC side go through Hines Field. This could be the door opening for that to happen. What was your? What, do you understand that? Does that make sense to you, Chris? Or do you think, look, there's oh, yeah. still a lot of football to be played? What do you think? 
I mean, I, I definitely think it impacts them. I mean, Tom Brady has, is the core of that team. You know, you take him away, and they're not they're not nearly well, their offense can't function the same way. I mean, unless Jimmy Garoppolo is is the next Tom Brady, and I mean that's if you think about how how much of a chance that they have at that. I mean, the closest thing that we can say as far as quarterback to quarterback that a team has ever done is when the Niners went from Montana to Young, and it, it, I just find it very hard to see that because, you know, you can look at Garoppolo's tape in college, but, you know, we can look at Landry Jones' tape in college. He's clearly not what he what, what you know, as good as he was in college because it's the NFL. You face, you face a, a lot higher caliber of talent. You face a lot faster opponents, and you face a lot more complex schemes. And just because he had success at a lower level doesn't guarantee it there. Now, that being said, when I'm looking at this full schedule here, um, you know, the Cardinals in Arizona, in the University of Phoenix Stadium, it, it's gonna, it, that's going to be a really tough game without Tom Brady. And I mean, the Cardinals, they're fast. They bring heat. They have good defensive backs. And they have an offense. Um, you know, if, if the Patriots' defense is enough to snuff, I see that being a bad one. The Dolphins, they hate the Patriots. And they sometimes they, they do split with the Patriots on occasion. Back, I can see that being a, a win. Um, you got Thursday night football with the Texans, and the Texans—they're always a question mark. You know, every year with what they, where they could be. Their first time without Arian Foster, but you know, JJ Watt and maybe if Jadavian Clowney can be important, that—that that is something. And then you got the Bills, and Rex Ryan hate, is, is is there, and he hates the the Patriots. You know, that, that he's gonna want to kick kick some dirt in in a uh, uh, Belichick's eye right there. Um, and then I, right after that, you get three straight AFC North games. You know, with the Browns, uh, the Bengals, okay, and the and the and, and in Pittsburgh against us. You know, I think it's going to be a real, a real, a real big challenge. And I, personally, I felt like the Patriots were going to have a, a tough run for their money even before the, you know, even without you, you taking Brady's suspension into into effect. I thought that I think the Steelers are, are a front runner for the team, you know, just as a whole team, and are going to be better than the Patriots. But you know, when you add this in, I mean, that's four games. You know, the you know, I I don't see them going four and zero. I think that they could go two and two. Um, I, I don't think that they'll beat the Cardinals, but maybe they'll, they'll take one out of the next three. Uh, and maybe they'll, they'll win all of the next three. Who knows? But um, I definitely see them struggling, and then this, this, this could impact them moving forward, you know, trying to get things together. And then, like, what other injuries? And you have to wonder what injuries are going to happen to the team in that time, you know, kind of like what happened to the Steelers. I, I see them struggling. Um, they have the NFC West this year, which is not an easy division. I think the Rams are getting better. Um, they have the um, – they, they have to play the Broncos again this year in Denver. I think that's going to be tough. I see the Jets. Yeah, I honestly see the Jets giving the, the Patriots a little bit of problem. I'm not sure if they'll take the division off of them, but I see the Jets giving them a run for their money. Um, that's not going to be easy. So I think it's going to be a rough one. And I think the Steelers have a very good chance. You know, they I think they had a decent chance before, but I think this is this makes the chance even sweeter to kind of see that door open. You know, like okay, this is a big opportunity. We just got to cash in, but the Steelers really, it doesn't matter what the Patriots do. If the Steelers win their game, they'll get the one seed. They, they got, we got to handle our business. And I mean, we got, and we have to beat them when they come here, Tom Brady, you know, if they go out and they bring back Randy, Randy Moss out of retirement, I don't care. They got to find a way to beat that team at, at home. Um, and, and, Cause you know, it, it'd be really be the last time that the Patriots were here. They, the Steelers were able to beat them. So uh, I think that's, I think that's going to be the end all be all, but I definitely think it, there's a higher chance of um, the Steelers getting the one team as well as other teams creeping up on them in the AFC East, namely the New York Jets. Well, you know, this is a, the common theme that the Steelers have had. I mean, I remember talking about this before the week one, the season being kicked off at last year, uh, the threat of Tom Brady being suspended. And I was one of the people that said, you know what, a part of me wants him to play. 
because I don't want there to be any excuses to be made if the Steelers go into New England and beat them in the opening night. Now, everyone knows that that's a tough game to win no matter what. Um, but Tom Brady ended up playing. They ended up getting the best of the Steelers. Uh, we can talk about excuses, all that stuff. I'm glad that he's going to be in the lineup for the Steelers game because I, I think that the Steelers, if there's something, if they can kind of hang their hat on something this year, in my, in my opinion, if I'm like Tomlin, I'm, I'm saying that we're sending a message every single time we step on the field. And so you want Tom Brady to be on that field because you want to beat him down. You want to show the Patriots, look, if you come into our house, it's not going to be pretty. Ask what happened to the Denver Broncos last year. Remember the no-fly zone, all that good stuff? They came to yep. Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh did exactly what they, they should have. Now, they started off that game horrible. Let's not forget that. But ultimately, I think that's kind of the attitude this team should have, is, is that us against the world, we're going to prove ourselves this way. Um, and I think having Tom Brady in the lineup is going to be a, is going to be a perfect measuring stick for this team. And some people might sound crazy. You, know, you get a chance now that the Arizona Cardinals are probably sitting there thinking, great, we don't have Tom Brady coming to our place. Now we have Jimmy Garoppolo, his first ever NFL start. That's going to be a big stage for him. Some might say I'm crazy, but you know what? That's just my mentality, I guess. So I, I don't I don't mind the Steelers uh, facing Tom Brady. But uh, real quick, do you have anything else about this before we move on? Um, just that I think that, you know, if, if, you're, a, if you're a Steelers fan, I mean, you can absolutely – you know, I, you can absolutely look at this and, and say that you know, there's a bit of justice here. You know, I do want to beat Tom Brady. You know, I, I, I want to see him punished. I want to see this, that Patriots go down as the cheating organization that they are. People often forget, you know, Spygate gets pushed under the rug by a lot of New England sports people and, and ESPN people, too, as well. Like, you know, just national sports. But the people try to push that under the rug and say, oh, they really didn't learn anything. No, like they had, you know, they had an entire room dedicated to figuring out the signals to decode Dick LeBeau's defense because they were so terrified of it, and they saw what it was doing to the rest of the NFL, uh, and they saw what happened to them when they faced it raw in the midseason of 2004. Um, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Joey Porter, Heinz Ward, Jerome Bettis. You know, a lot of the Steelers proclaimed that day that they, you know this. There's a lot of stuff here. You know, they they were calling out our signals. They knew our terminology. It was very weird because that's not something you can just pick up. You know, with with, with just playing a team once or twice. And uh, the the length that they went to, you know, sneaking into hotel rooms to steal playbooks and stuff like that, you know, there's the, people people think that the Patriots are vilified for no reason. There's a very good reason why they're why, why they're vilified by the rest of, by by many people in the NFL and by many fans. I, I think Tom Brady got what he deserves. If anyone thinks otherwise, you know, you you can keep thinking that, but but you've been wrong for a long time now, and he's just getting he's getting he's getting it plenty late. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's it, I think it's good that you bring up Spygate. Now, a lot of people forget about this, and it's it's yeah. just I think the, the nature of the business, it's the nature of the National Football League. It's a "What have you done for me now?" type uh, business, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's one of those situations where I never forget when I read the article that's or the news that broke that said that the tapes that the that the NFL went in and took and confiscated from New England. They were destroyed. They, they weren't put in a locked vault somewhere and kept it, you yep. know, all that stuff. They destroyed them. And to me, that says that whatever they saw was so bad 
that they had to completely destroy the evidence because if it were somehow leaked, and let's be honest, in, in today's day and age, it would get leaked somehow, that it would completely turn everything on, on its head, meaning the Super Bowl wins, the AFC Championship game win in Pittsburgh, which still irks me to this day, I think it's 2001, um, and, and other times in 2004 is another one. That is what really irks me about this, and people forget about it. Now, Deflategate, is it as bad as Spygate? No. Um, I think that in a way the NFL is trying to kind of, okay, we didn't really handle Spygate the way that we probably should have, so we're just going to kind of tag team this, and then it turns into this whole mess. But um, I'm glad you brought that up. So, um, you know, we're, we're talking about a lot of law stuff, right? One of our sponsors is a lawyer. Yes, it is. It's Frank Walker Law, ladies and gentlemen. If you live in the western Pennsylvania area or the northern West Virginia area, you got to call. If you have a criminal issue, you have any issues, you better call Frank Walker Law. And, in fact, he has a message for us right now. Smart or stupid? Those strobing lights in your rear view? That flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh, I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please. Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move. For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805 or FrankWalkerLaw.com. You know, and I don't know. if you do something yeah. stupid, Jeff, if you do something stupid, Jeff, you know, like def- like deflate footballs. Yeah, I don't think Frank's going to be able to help you with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that Frank is a, is a Patriots fan by any means. Um, but yeah. but uh, but definitely definitely call Frank Walker if you, if you ever have any problems. He will get you right. He's one of the best trial attorneys in the country. In fact, ranked in the top 100 in the country. So give give him a call. Are you worried about the New York State, Jeff? Yeah, I, I just said, let's get to some football talk. I think some people are probably sick and tired of the flake. And I didn't want to spend a whole time or a, a lot of time talking about this. Um, I've been doing um, the scenarios, and I know you've been really, really busy with your career, and I know you probably don't have enough time to follow the five or six stories that are po- posted a day. But I've been doing this series, and I've done the last two years, 30 scenarios in 30 days, where basically what I do mm-hmm. is every single day I create – some type of Pittsburgh Steelers scenario for the upcoming season. I say why it will happen, why it won't happen, and then I give my prediction. And I just want to run a few, by, a couple of you then by you, see what you think, whether your ideas jive with, with mine or not, and then um, and we'll talk about it. So let's talk about one that was published on the 10th, so three days ago. Um, and this was that in 2016, the Pittsburgh Steelers will rank in the top five in the National Football League in turnover differential. Now, last year, they finished a plus two. For those that do not know what this term means, they take the turnovers that you create, so fumble, recoveries, interceptions, things like that, and then they take how many turnovers you actually have, so interceptions thrown by the quarterback, fumbles lost, and then they see what the difference is. If you're on the plus side, that's good. That means you're taking the ball away more than you're giving it away. And the Pittsburgh Steelers were plus two, but that was tied for 15th. I am pretty, I, my prediction was, or my scenario was, that in 2016 they will be top five in the league in this. And a large part of my reasoning was Ben Roethlisberger is not going to throw that many interceptions in 2016. What do you think about that? No, I think it's definitely. We talked about this, um, I think, earlier with uh, with Bryce from Brooklyn. If you're listening, Bryce, call in. 
Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, when you're when you're talking about Ben Roethlisberger's interception, I mean, what was he throwing? Sixteen interceptions last year, something like that. A lot of that came yeah. off of games when he was coming off an injury, uh, when he was having a rough time, and they were and he, he never really got a chance to get into a, a full blown rhythm. He had some really good games, um, but I mean, he, he never played like a long stretch of games that was allowed that allowed him to keep command of the Steelers for like you know eight you know at least half a season, and he never got that. Most and a lot of you know quarterbacks there you, you expect them to get that with the with the rules that sort of protect them these days, um, but he never got it. So. I think when you look at the interception count, that'll be that'll be down. Um, the Steelers, fortunately, have not been a, a fumbleitis team for a while. You know, they had a big fumble in the playoff game with the third or the fourth string running back and uh, Fitzgerald Stunt. But uh, you know, with Le'Veon Bell, I think he's fumbled once in his career so far in three years, um, and that's with over like three three thousand yards total. Um, so you know, you're looking at a guy thirty five hundred yards to be more exact. Um, but when you look at when you're looking at the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Antonio Brown's on a fumble machine, maybe Bell's on a fumble machine. It really it, it has not been a problem. The only thing is, can Ben Roethlisberger avoid the turnovers? And I think once you know, as long as he's protected, as long as he's not getting hurt back there, and he can stay in his rhythm, then he'll throw some passes that deep that get picked off. Because that's what Ben does. He takes those shots like, on occasion. But I think he's going to be more on point, more precise, and, uh, and hopefully he's not injured nearly as much, if at all. Um, and those turnovers definitely go down. And I also think that you're going to see an increase in the turnovers that the Steelers create with, uh, on the defensive side of the ball with the increased speed and the improvement of their younger defensive stars like Stephon to it and Ryan Shazier. Yeah, that was the only hesitation that I had on this scenario was you can't – you can kind of gauge like you just talked about the turnovers that the team might – that might present themselves to the Steelers. You know, Ben, ben throwing picks obviously is the biggest and then fumbles. You can kind of gauge it. Le'Veon Bell, is, I don't think he's ever fumbled in the NFL. If he has, it's only been since, like, his rookie year. It's ridiculous how long it's been since the guy's even put the ball on the turf. Not that he's lost a fumble, that he's even fumbled the football. But to create turnovers, sometimes you just have to rely on mistakes made. Um, I think back to, I think it's 2014, that crazy Monday night game in Tennessee where um, Hackenberg throws an easy pick six to William Gay. Like that doesn't happen all the time. Um, you could say the same about AJ McCarron last uh, last year when William Gay picked him off and took it to the house. I do agree with you. I think that they're going to be better. I think you know for all the inexperience experience they lost in Boykin and Blake last year, uh, they're gaining in athleticism and ball skills, which is really really exciting for me. So my I actually said I think this is true. I think they're going to be in near the top five. Um, they're not. They weren't. Even though 15 sounds really bad, they weren't that far out of the top 10 even. So, um, would you say you you say that prediction? You think it will come true? Sorry, I lost you yeah, for you, a while there, and I came back at the end. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you just fine. So you're thinking that this scenario will come true? That in 2016, the Steelers will be a top five team uh, in terms of uh, turnover differential. I think, oh, yeah, for top five teams, yeah, you're talking about, uh, yeah, I think it's going to happen. The Arizona Cardinals, I think, will be a, te- a team that's up there. They they were they were up there last year. I think Carson Palmer is going to give, give them more money. I think the Patriots could be. Uh, they have they have, a, they have some decent, decent defensive players. Um, but at the end of the day, the Steelers are going to have a fast play really, really hard and hit, hit really hard, make turnovers happen. you got got players like William Gay that can pick you off, you know, and dance all over you after he scores a touchdown. Um, 
And then at the same time, if you have a competent offense that doesn't lose any of its stars, I, I don't see them turning the ball over that much. And, I mean, in, in the NFL these days, the Steelers were still a decent team last year. And like you said, they were plus two. Make, let, let, the, let them go, like, plus 10, plus 12. You know, they'll, they'll get up there. And I think that among, when you look at the end of the season, when you look at the numbers, they're going to be a top five team as far as turnover differential. And that's going to be a big uh, part of why they're going to be in the playoffs and the number, a top seed in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Now let's go to the next scenario. Uh, this is one that caused uh, quite, quite a little buzz. I've come to the conclusion now that anytime anyone writes anything about Heath Miller and then also about Ladarius Green, people are automatically going to assume, even though when you write in the article that Heath Miller is the epitome of a Pittsburgh Steeler, he was everything that people think of when they think of a Steeler in terms of he played the right way, he played hard, he didn't complain about anything, he didn't celebrate. It wasn't about me. It was about the team. Anyways, I wrote a scenario of that the Steelers' addition in free agency being a Darius Green from San Diego will be able to surpass Heath Miller's production from 2015. So they'd be getting a statistical improvement uh, in 2016. Let me read you Heath Miller's stat line. He had 50 receptions. 535 yards, he averaged 8.9 yards per reception, and he had two touchdowns. Now, in the article, I said that I think, personally, Ladarius Green will be able to pass all of those marks, yards, yards yards per reception, and touchdowns, but I'm not sure if he's going to beat him in reception. 60 is a lot, and I keep coming back to the fact that there's just a, there's only one football to go around between Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams, Antonio Brown, Marcus Wheaton, uh, Sandy Coates, I could go on and on. Do you think that Ladarius Green is going to be able to surpass Heath Miller's 2015 production, keeping in mind how dynamic this offense is and that you can't get everyone the ball all the time? Yeah, you can't. it's, it's going to be tough because Ben Roethlisberger has so many players to go to. And Ladarius Green, one, he's going to be learning the offense. It's not going to be something you can just walk into and just be like, oh, I figured all this out. There's going to be some time to gel with him. Um, and I think that the team, it's, it has options. And also, there's other tight ends. You know, Jesse James is a young guy that did, that did pretty well last year in his limited opportunities. Um, you know, I'm looking at Lazarius Green uh, tape when I, earlier this season or earlier this offseason, and you saw how athletic he was. One thing that you love about Keith Miller and that you love about the, the, the style he played is that, you know, you loved how hard he was, how he went up and got the ball, he protected the ball, he blocked really good, he worked really hard, he made sure that, you know, he could be he could be a lead blocker in situations. What we didn't like about Heath Miller though was how he never made anybody miss. You know, if if it, if it was one on one with you with you and Heath Miller in the field, pretty much you were either gonna just try to catch him from behind or if you were you were in front of him, he was gonna try and run you over. And Heath Miller did not have speed nor moves, you know, as a as an NFL player. On the other hand, with Darius Green has lots of speed and lots of moves, especially for the tight tight end position. He can go up and get passes. He's a he's a he's a really dynamic threat for a lot of teams, and there was even I think he had like a seventy yard touchdown reception against the Chiefs uh, last year, and it was one play where he caught it and he ran for a good forty to fifty yards of that play. It was ridiculous, and he he has the jets to get on people, he has the hops to get up against people, and I mean, he seems like a really good receiving tight end. So when it comes to those numbers, I think you're going to see. Uh, definitely see more touchdowns because they were going to go to him in the red zone. I think they're going to see some fades to him, especially with the absence of Martavis Bryant. Um, and I, def- I think that he's going to be a deep target, a downfield target for Ben Roethlisberger. 
uh, as the season goes on. So I definitely think that, and I think that you're also right on about the receptions part, him, coming, him not having as many as he Part of the reason that he had so many receptions is because he had that rapport with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, when, when Ben Roethlisberger was a rookie, um, the net, he had, that was his only season he'd ever had without Heath Miller. Then his second year in the league when they won the Super Bowl, that was Heath Miller's rookie season. And since then, the two have been you know working together for a decade. And that led to their relationship and why he got so many receptions. And really, I mean, Heath Miller was one of the third down blankets that, he, that Ben could rely on. Um, and Lazarius Green, you just, you're just not going to pick that up right away. So I agree with you. The receptions won't be there, but I do think that there's going to be yards and touchdowns involved that uh, that surpass Heath Miller's numbers. Um, but but uh, but yeah. So that's that's I, I agree. I think that's a very sensible take on your part, Jeff. All right. Yeah, I, I definitely thought that. I think that he'll be able to do that again. Receptions might not be the number, but I think that otherwise he will be able to uh, surpass Heath Miller. And again. I always have to say this multiple times. I'm not saying that he is better than Heath Miller. He's a a greater player. (laughs) Understand people, legends, and Heath Miller is a Pittsburgh Steelers legend. Legends sometimes retire, and when they do, someone has to replace him, and Ladarius Green just happens to be that guy. Now, the next scenario is going to be a perfect segue. I wanted to talk with you tonight, and we're going to get into training camp battles a lot more in-depth as the season progresses, uh, or the off-season, I should say, but there's a couple that are like lesser-known battles that might not get as much publicity as others that I wanted to get your feeling on. And then I wrote this today. The scenario was that in the terms of the quarterback, the backup quarterback position, I said that Landry Jones will be the Steelers' primary backup, will beat out Bruce Gradkowski for the quarterback two position on the on the depth chart. And this would be a great way to segue into our training camp talk, too, because this is one of the ones I wanted to talk about. Where do you see this quarterback battle? Because we all know Ben Roethlisberger is the guy. Um, who would you like to see and why as the, as the main backup? Because let's be honest, Roethlisberger's only had two seasons, third if you, three if you count the uh, year that he was suspended for the four games at the start of the season where he's played every game in his career, in, in that season, in his career. So, what do you think that backup quarterback uh, position, uh, that, that battle in training camp is going to go? I mean, I prefer, honestly, if, it, if, we're, if we're really – if we're being honest here, Jeff, and we're getting real opinions, I want Bruce Gradkowski. I am too terrified of Landry Jones. Even though he got a decent game against the Cardinals, a decent half game against the Cardinals and helped us win that game with clutch plays there, I am not convinced by his style of play. Um, not that Bruce Gradkowski, you know, beams – you know, excitement to me. I think that his veteran, his veteran uh, experience is going to still puts him over Jones. Um, I think that he'll make less dumb mistakes, and I think that he, he'll be able to handle situations better. Now, if he can stay healthy, that's another question. Um, but I think when it comes to the number two spot, it's still going to be Bruce Gadkowski. Um And, again, Landry Jones, remember, this time last year when Bruce Gadkowski got hurt, the Steelers didn't wait one week. They in the in the next like two to three days they went out and signed Michael Vick, and they had him in against the Buffalo Bills, um, you know, in a preseason game. And then Michael Vick was the number two guy. Michael Vick, who was horrible as a quarterback here, and partly partially because I think they were too they were too afraid. Part of the reason I think he was horrible, Jeff, was because he, the Steelers did not want him to play his style of football, which was run all over the place, take advantage of what they give you, and then throw um, if it's if it's there. Um, and the, the only time you really saw that out of Vic 
was when it got to be go time in the Chargers game, and they really needed to pick it up. Uh, but, you know, but against the Cardinals, against the Ravens, you saw him kind of being conservative and try to – and even against the Rams, uh, you, you saw that out of him, and he wasn't exactly, you know, comfortable, you know, trying to wheel and deal. And I think the part of that was because they said, hey, we, we can't afford to lose you, man, because then we're down to Landry Jones. And I think that's why you're going to see – I don't think the team believes in Landry Jones in the least. Now, and I'm not saying believes in him in the sense that he's a starting quarterback because we know he's not a starting quarterback. I don't think they believe in him as a backup. You know, I think that he's here – because he's a, you know, a rookie contract, we're paying him anyways, keep him on the team, get some experience. If he, if he proves to us at some point that we, if we ever, for some reason, need him, he proves that he deserves to stay here, they'll keep him and they'll promote him. But, like, you saw in that playoff game, I mean, the, the, Steelers, the Steelers, you know, he came out, he busted up, he, he ruined the whole possession when all they needed to do was run the clock out, then proceeded to throw an interception that almost lost the game. And they, had, they sent Ben Roethlisberger back out there with a torn shoulder. Um, to, to win. I mean, they, they have absolutely no confidence in this guy. I think it's Bruce Gatkowski who's going to be the number two guy, and I prefer to see him there because the last time we saw him actually throw was in the Ravens playoff game, and he didn't look all that bad. I know that's two years ago now, and that doesn't mean that he's going to be the same, but I still feel more comfortable with him than than, than Lenangio. Here's the thing for me, though, and you just hit the nail on the head, is that I'm all about Gatkowski except for the fact that the guy hasn't thrown a pass in a National Football League game since 2014. And that year, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he had played hardly at all, if at all, the entire season. I don't think he yeah. – I'm trying to think back. I think in 2014, Roethlisberger didn't miss any time. And so because nope. of that, Gradkowski didn't even – so we're talking about 2013. Um, it concerns me. The, the backup quarterback position concerns me. It does. I, I definitely think that Landry Jones showed some – signs of life last year, but that's not really a, a ringing endorsement. How many times last year when Landry Jones made a great play, quote-unquote, I used air quotes there, was it, I'm going to throw a really quick pass to Martavis Bryant, and he's going to be a freak of nature that he is, and make 15 people miss and outrun everyone like a gazelle. More often than not, right? Um, right. I think that, I think it's going to be one to watch. I, I agree with you. I think that the Steelers aren't sold on Landry Jones if they were. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't have brought in Bruce Gradkowski again. Nonetheless, that's going to be a, a camp out of watch. So I think we both are leaning towards Gradkowski, but I wouldn't be stunned if Landry Jones is the primary backup. We'll see how that pans out. Here's another one for you, Chris. Again, we're talking about depth here, not so much starting. We know that probably week one you're going to have Mike Mitchell and Robert Golden as your your starting safety tandem. The question for you is: after Robert Golden. Who do you think is the backup safety at that position? Would it be Sean Davis, the rookie out of Maryland? Or do you think it would be someone like Shamarco Thomas? Now, everyone loves bashing Shamarco Thomas. They call him an idiot. Uh, they, they talk about his IQ, which I think is kind of ridiculous. I, I don't know what he does and doesn't know in the playbook. I've never been in that locker room, all that good stuff. Who would you say would be the, the primary backup behind Robert Golden? Would it be Davis? Would it be Thomas? Or would you even throw in someone like um, – uh, Rusty Benton and 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 see if uh, he would be in. Mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be Sean Davis. They put him in, took him in the second round for a reason. And I mean, it, yeah, it's gonna come down to to the uh, to, to training camp. But Shamarco Thomas has proved has proven time and time again that he's not the guy um, that that the Steelers thought he would be fourth round. And uh, when even like when he first came in, 
you know, I tailor joked and called him headaches because he was always asking questions. And they seemed like at first it was like, you know, oh, that could be a good thing because he's just trying to learn the playbook. And now it really seems like he doesn't know what he's doing. And, uh, and, and not that he doesn't. Maybe he does, and he's just not – he hasn't been able to put it all together. But uh, right now, Shamarco Thomas has not shown any reason to show confidence in him as a start – as a potential starter at the safety position or as even the guy that you want to go to is when one of them goes down. Um, you know, he hasn't shown good field awareness. I mean, if you remember in the, uh, the Broncos game, there was that one play on special teams where the ball was, um, you know, was, was going to roll out of bounds and he stopped it and it stayed inbound, and he, he didn't pick it up. He left it there, and then the Broncos player picked it up and ran it back for a touchdown. But thank goodness, you know, he was, his foot was out of bounds, and, and you know, he, just, he didn't even pay attention to that, and the refs caught it on the replay. Shamarco Thomas has not proven that. Now, Sean Davis, you know, this is going to be a young guy. If he can come in and just have any sort of impact, the team is going to want to put him in a position to get more experience, to get acclimated with the defense, and to make plays. Um, you know, he he seems he's an athletic guy out of Maryland. They're gonna, I think they're gonna be looking for that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it's gonna be Sean Davis over Shamarco Thomas. Do you think it's? Do you think I'm wrong? You think Shamarco's gonna get the time because he has the experience? And this is what his third or fourth year in the league now. I think it's his fourth year now. This is this is his fourth year. He's in his he's in the final year of his rookie deal. I think ever since the Steelers traded up to get this guy, I've always had high hopes for him, and he's just done nothing but disappoint me. Um, Again, it just like when we talked about Landry Jones, if they were confident in Shamarco Thomas, they wouldn't have drafted Sean Davis. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I think it's going to be Sean Davis. I think Shamarco is going to be primarily a special teams player, um, and then it'll probably be his last year in Pittsburgh. So uh, I'll agree with you there. And the last one here, and we're going to have a, a shorter show. There's just not that much news going on right now, is tight end. And I did a Facebook Live video yesterday for the website. If you don't follow us on Facebook, please do facebook.com backslash behind the steel curtain. And you're talking about the tight end depth chart. You've got Ladarius Green. you got Jesse James. I think it's a foregone conclusion that both of those players are going to make the roster if everyone's healthy. But what about that tight end three position? You know, a lot of people point right to Matt Space and say, oh, this, this guy is – this is it. I don't know. They, they brought back um, that Johnson – uh, his first name escapes my mind right now. Uh, they, they, David Johnson is his name, and then they uh, they also have Xavier Grimble, who is a lot of people said has been very impressive so far in the OTAs and mini camps and stuff like that. If you were to predict who that third tight end is, the Steelers typically keep three tight ends on their roster. Do you think it's Space? Is his last year in his contract, or do you think they go with someone like Johnson? Um, it, it's a big question mark. No, I think it's going to be space. He knows the offense. He can block a little bit. They're not looking. They have two receiving tight ends in Jesse James and uh, Lazarius Green. Not that Jesse James is like an a proven elite, uh, you know, receiving tight end. But Matt Space is purely a blocker. He's a former he, the team. Team drafted him back in what 2009 as a second round pick, um, and you know he he went away for a little bit. Then he came back. The team likes him. I think they know what they got with him, and he, they know he can fill in in a spot. So. Uh, I think they're going to stick with space. They know what he is. Maybe they give the other guys a shot. You know, maybe they keep them around on the practice squad in case they lose their fullback um, in Roosevelt Knicks or if a tight end goes down. But I I don't see Matt Space losing that spot to anybody. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right with the blocking thing. That's really important. But I don't think they keep four tight ends on their roster, so it'll be one to watch. and this is, these are just a few of the, like I said, these are the lesser-known uh, training camp battles that probably are not going to get the publicity that, that some of the other ones are. 
but still, um, I think it's important that we talk about some of these, and we're going to be definitely diving into these in depth, totally in depth, in the next few shows. Um, quickly, Chris, to give you a little bit of a chance to sound off, if you have anything to talk about that's Steelers related, go ahead. Well, uh, Jeff, it is almost training camp time. I just want to say, dear people, I don't think we got a chance to talk about this last time, Jeff. Dear people who think Le'Veon Bell is a nut job because in his rap song, his latest track or whatever that he released, that he had, that he said he he wants he's going to be making fifteen million dollars a year. If you really think that that's a reason for the Steelers not to keep keep, keep him, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. I, I I understand if you're not familiar with rap, you know, a, you know it's a genre, and, and Le'Veon Bell is not a real rapper. He's not a rapper. Um, but uh, when it comes to when it comes when it comes to the rap lyrics, he's not being serious. He's, he's rapping for the song. Uh, if if the Steelers would never pay him fifteen million dollars a year unless he goes berserk this year and gets like five thousand yards overall, and you know they and they're like, well, okay, we have to pay him. But uh, right now, I think Le'Veon Bell, he knows his worth. I think he likes the organization. They've stuck by with by him despite the suspension, and uh, you know just you know just you know he had he's had some injuries. You know he's had two he's had a season-ending injury. He had an injury that took him out the playoffs. He had an injury to come into the season. And he also, I mean, he's missed games in every single year that he's played. Um, and, and I think that he, he understands that he's valued here. I think Mike Tomlin, you know, has him liking the Steelers as well. You know, they seem to have a good relationship. He calls him Juice, and Livian Bell seems to like him a lot. So I, I, I think that he knows his role. I think he was just rapping to rap, and he needed some lyrics. He's not a good rapper, so that's part of it. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, don't take that stuff to heart. If you do, you're really making something out of nothing. And I understand. It's July. It's baseball season. There's not much, go- not much else going on, you know, and there's it, it, this dead air that people feel, feel like they need to fill it with space and to talk about stuff. But right now, man, just chill, relax, enjoy some highlights, you know, go back and look at your favorite game if you can, you know, look up that Denver Broncos comeback, look up the Cardinals game. That was a fun one. And just think about, like, man, we we got a lot to be excited about. And watch the Buccos, man. They just beat the Cubs 2-1 to one in a series after beating the Cardinals. Come on, man. Like, we got some fun stuff to enjoy. Enjoy that and get ready for training camp. Then the discussions can begin, and then we can start seeing some real football being played. But that's my thing, people. Don't blow up the little stuff and get off of Le'Veon Bell's back. Let the man play. Let him be great. What about you, Jeff? What's well, your off segment? The, I mean, that's a good segue into what I was going to talk about, which is basically, you know, people on the website sometimes, you know, you'll see comments about, you know, well, boy, it must be the dead season. Well, yeah, it is the dead season. There's no news right now. I mean, trust me, there are sites that are doing a ridiculous traffic. Well, guess why? Because their players are getting suspended. Their players are getting in trouble off the field. You don't want that kind of news in the off season. The only news you want is, holy crap, Holy crap! Look at Le'Veon Bell's latest workout. He's a freak. If that's the only news you're dealing with, or James Harrison, you know, bench pressing a house, then that's a good off season, folks. I'll take low traffic on the website for a few months, and then once training camp starts up, you know, hopefully we everyone keeps it hell, everyone stays healthy, and then we have real news to actually report on. It's just as bad for us that write about the team as it is for those that read about the team. So keep that in mind, please. Absolutely. But, uh, like, oh Chris, my God, I know you're we busy. root for the Steelers. Yeah. 
if we root for the Steelers, there's ever there's never any any drama. I mean, there is drama, but it's like, oh my gosh, we don't have Des Bryant meeting his mother or something like that. Like, come on now. Like, yeah. you understand why there's no news? It's because the Steelers are the Steelers. When there is stuff, they they do a good job in house protecting their players. When it does get out, they handle it. They either get rid of the guy or they let them know, don't do that again, or you're gonna be gone. Like the Antonio Holmes. You know, so. Uh, yeah. like, come on, man. They're, they're, like, come on. We don't, we don't, we don't need none of that. So get, get, get a, like I said, get a grip. You know, it's, it's the off season. I understand you may be football crazed. So are we, we're ready for the season to start. So uh, that I, I feel you, Jeff. What was you about to add on to that with? Uh, nothing much. I mean, it's just one of those, it's just been a slow off season and it, it's coming to an end. And as, at behind the steel curtain.com, we're going to have the, uh, our training camp confidential again, it's going to be three to four days at the beginning of camp where there's really not a lot of news going on at the beginning of camp. Um, I'm talking wall-to-wall coverage of every potential angle you can think of. It's going to be a great, great three to four days for those that just want to sit down, waste time at work, and read about the Steelers. Uh, so you have that to look forward to. As always, we've got our regular features going on, our 90, 90 Steelers in 90 days, my 30 scenarios in 30 days, as well as a bunch of other stuff. We're going to have one of your film rooms tomorrow morning so make sure you check that out, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Chris, thanks for your time. Thanks to our sponsors, Frank Walker Law and Centerfield Smoke. Make sure you check those out if you're needing any law advice or just some really, really cool T-shirt designs from CenterfieldSmoke.com. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Stay safe out there, Steeler fans. Bye. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Details. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.